This is the Next Level Running Podcast, brought to you by the expert coaches at Run Doyen, helping runners of all levels crush their goals on race day by matching you with the perfect coach or training plan. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us here again on the Next Level Running Podcast. I'm your host, David Jankowski, here to bring you another episode here today. So this is, of course, our long-form podcast that happens at the end of every month. And if you're too interested, uh, Will Panitez hosts our short-form podcast, which is a Instagram Live running replay. Those are on the 13th of every month. I replay those here. But also, too, you can catch them live on our Instagram page, at Run Doyen. Those usually happen toward the end of the month. So if you're paying attention, you get a little update there if you're subscribed to our Instagram page. And you can participate, ask questions to our coaches as they're discussing, which is a a lot of fun, I think. Uh, Also, too, we've now built out a Facebook page, which is where today's topic for this podcast comes from. Uh, Don White asked about mental toughness. How do you build mental toughness? What are some strategies we can do to train our brain so that we can take advantage of all the hard work that we've physically been putting in? I know a lot of times uh, we undermine ourselves by getting in our own head. Uh, We stop ourselves from taking advantage of all that hard work and all that good effort, and you can't capitalize on all those things. So today, uh, I'll be joined by Addy Zerunner, one of the coaches here at Run Doyen, to talk a bit about some of the techniques and strategies that we can use to make ourselves better runners, to capitalize on all that hard work we've put in, and to make sure we're enjoying the process and to enjoying our races. I know sometimes we come out of races and we're pretty hard on ourselves. You know, it didn't go exactly how you wanted. We talked a little bit about that last month with goal setting, but how can you build in those mental strategies to make sure that you're continually moving forward and two, that if you have a bad day, you know how to put it in its place so that you can continue to make positive steps in a good direction. But before we jump into that, I did want to give everyone a quick reminder uh, to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And two, I see we're getting more and more listeners every month but our reviews are staying the same. So if you could take the time to go give us a review, whatever you think is fair, even if you're just going to click however many stars you think is relevant to this podcast on whatever platform it is you listen to this on. Uh, But if you can type in a few words, what you think of the podcast, that's really helpful for us. It helps attract other listeners and two, it boosts us in the algorithm. So it makes it more likely for others to see this podcast. So if you like what we're doing, we'd greatly appreciate those types of reviews and interaction. Uh, Of course, too, I think more importantly, keep engaging with us on social media. That gives us more ideas and ways in which we can build this podcast out and make it better and more informative so that it's a a more useful tool for you uh, as you take this home and and try to improve your own running. Uh, But with that, let's turn back to the the topic of today's podcast, which is mental training, training your brain, and invite Addie's a runner to the Next Level Running Podcast. Addie, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I've always wanted to be on a podcast, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this will be this will be exciting. And actually, little did you know, I think you've you've been on on one of our Instagram Live running replays. So one of your Instagram conversations was converted into podcast form. So this isn't your first this isn't your first rodeo. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but like I said, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, brain training or, or building your own mental toughness. And this was actually 
uh, a question that came to us on the Facebook page as well. Uh, Don White asked about how, how do you build mental toughness? How do I make myself a better better runner, at least mentally? And I think that's a, that's a problem a lot of people have. And so maybe to kick off this whole discussion, could you give us a bit of a background on what are we talking about when we talk about brain training or some, some techniques to build our own mental toughness? Yeah, um, brain training is very similar to any other type of training. So physical training. So you know, I think that a lot of people have a lot of misconception about mental training, mental illness in general. And um, in the same way, I push my body to the limit, whether it be in running or I go to the gym. Um, I also, uh, I've worked with a therapist um, on and off for, for years. And, um, you know, you're kind of creating like many repetitions in your brain of positive thinking or, you know, goal, um, goal setting, and then just like translating that to when you are training. Um, so kind of two part, yeah, mental toughness, just basically it's, it's you versus you, how tough you can be within reason. Cause that can really go the other way. And I've definitely been there. And then, and then mental training, literally kind of how I like to put it is just really building up better kind of grooves in your brain, kind of striation in your muscles, um, just grooves in your brain to better, you know, train your mind to stay in an uncomfortable state, but still be positive. Yeah. Finding ways to be comfortable with the uncomfortable perhaps, right? That's the old, (laughs) the old adage. Uh, and I, and I like that too. One thing in how you frame that at the beginning is, and something I think many runners forget, is the brain is very much a muscle. And when we're training, it's the muscle that we're focusing on is the muscle that stands to benefit. And if we don't focus on certain muscles, they never they never grow. They can never expand. They can never fully function. And the, the brain is probably the most powerful muscle we have when it comes to any sort of physical activity because it tells us whether or not we're going to be able to unlock those muscles and, and use them to their fullest potential. Uh, so I, like you, I think, I think this is underappreciated across the board and it's, it's something that can really unlock performance for a lot of people. So it's an exciting topic. Um, let's, let's jump into, you, you talked about building out the grooves and the you versus you, uh, dynamic. Let's, let's build those out first, and then we can jump into how and why we use, uh, these, these brain training techniques. So let's start with UVU kind of break down what you mean there. Uh, and maybe we'll go through that a little bit more. Yeah. So what I meant mean by, you know, it's, it's you versus you is in terms of just mental training and mental toughness is kind of the old, you know, saying you are what you eat. You are what you think you are what you believe. And if you are constantly, you know, believing this is hard, this is uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, I am going to die. Like your muscles are going to act the same way. Um, and so that's a, an example of you versus you, you being your own worst enemy. Now you can also take that in another direction. Um, specifically in running, I've always had a hard time with speed work and I started noticing kind of last year around this time, um, during reps of speed work, I would stop and I'd hear myself hyperventilating. 
And then I would get like tougher on myself, like, oh, you're so out of shape. Why are you breathing so hard? And so I really just kind of started talking to myself as if I were like a five-year-old Addie and really just uh, was doing other um, breath work as well. But that's a situation in which you can be your own biggest, like cheerleader, your own biggest support. So, you know, it, it sounds kind of, you know, hippy dippy. And of course we have the Californian on for mental toughness, but I really mean it when I say you are what you think. And um, yeah, it's just, like you said, the, the brain is, is the biggest muscle and it just, you know, translates, um, you know, messages to all the other muscles. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I like that, that you, you versus you dynamic, because as, as you're building out, you can really be your own worst enemy or your own biggest advocate. And ideally, if anyone's going to be your own advocate, it may as well be you. And it, it does, I think at first blush, a lot of people do get that, that sense that you mentioned about it being kind of hippy dippy and, and like a, a soft kind of, eh, kind of deal. But I, I think even these really basic things that seem kind of goofy at, at first glance, like you said, positive self-talk, where you give yourself those positive affirmations, uh, those can be far more beneficial than you even realize. Those silly, like just a little thing like saying, man, you're really feeling good today it can really change the whole way a workout dynamic just goes. It, it's, it's, it's silly and it sounds goofy, but it's amazing how effective some of these things can be. But we'll, we'll, maybe we could jump into that a little bit deeper uh, later on. Let's, let's go back to the, the grooves in the brain that you were talking about. So work, let's build that out a little bit too, and then we'll jump into some of the, the whys. Totally. Yeah, so the best way I can explain like the grooves in the brain is just through habit. So if you uh, developed the belief running is hard because you were told that running sucks from age five, and then you have literally just created like a groove of a thought pattern in your brain. And then the more and more you believe that you think it, you think it, then you say it out loud. Then, you know, when PE are supposed to run and you just, you know, tell the teacher, like, I don't run because running is hard. And then you have this constant belief, like you have already ingrained that groove so strong. And an area where it's, it's just crazy to me is every time I am coming back from an injury, um, you know, I, you always want to be very cautious coming back from injury, which is great. But a lot of the pain that you may feel is kind of that neural pathway or that, that group that you've developed of like, okay, I injured my foot. Each time my foot hits the ground, there is pain. And I've done a lot of work um, with one of my coworkers on kind of that uh, mind muscle pain pathway, but it is those grooves are a lot like muscles. And I, I kind of compare them to like striations in muscles, because again, the more you use them, the deeper ingrained they become, the no and that makes a lot of sense it's the brain takes the path of least resistance and if you've built a path along the road in your brain it's going to take that path and so if that path says running's hard avoid it then your brain immediately says hey let's just avoid this it's going to be too hard i don't want to deal with it and it actually becomes harder to tear down that path and, and construct a new path that says hey you know what this isn't that bad or i actually really enjoy this and so it's yeah, it, it does become difficult to break down those barriers once you've built them. And so a lot of these techniques will be really helpful, I think, for 
creating either either new tracks and deconstructing those old ones or just making sure we never set up those negative those negative towers of well i guess tower of negative negativity or something like that i don't know that wasn't that that clever but hey we'll we'll work it out on on post-production um (laughs) but yeah so i think this is a good place to start and kind of framing why some of these things are important but maybe you could dig deeper into why this is important for us as as runners because i think a lot of this makes sense even in a, in a daily basis, but let's talk specifically about training and racing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To answer that, I actually have a really uh, good story. I, um, I ran for the university of Arizona, um, cross country and track. And, um, I've always known I wanted to be a marathoner. Like I'm not going to put it lightly. I'm not a 50 runner. I, I don't have a lot of leg speed. And I say that I, I still say that with hes- hesitancy because I have been told that by coaches. Um, and then when I started running for the university of Arizona, it was no longer Addie doesn't have leg speed. It was just Addie doesn't have a finishing kick. And so I believed that I believed that in order to beat girls and especially I'm, I'm talking more on the track, I would have to start that kick early, start putting the pressure on early in a race. And it was during an indoor race. I, I don't know, like I just felt good. And I just had this thought like, why can't I be a kicker? And I, I outkicked everyone in the field. And then, then that season, it was kind of like the season of like Addie's kick. And it was just, I wasn't training in any different way than I had been. I wasn't, you know, taking it a special drink or whatever. It was literally just like that belief of like, well, why can't I be a kicker? And it, it was just because other people had told me and I had, you know, so ingrained that, um, that groove, you know, in my brain. And as soon as I just like challenged it and believed I could, like I did. And and it, that sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's not sometimes, you know, that easy, but that story just gave me, you know, an example of like, then translating it out into the world. Like, why do I have that belief about myself? Oh, because when I was four, someone told me and then I've you know, constantly believed it. So in running, it can just unlock so much because you really don't know what the human body is capable of. I mean, mm-hmm. forever thought four minute miles impossible. One guy believed he could do it. And then once Roger Bannister did, you know, a bunch of other guys did it within, you know, six months. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great example of how it, I think everyone has an example of that. Like their, their one mental breakthrough where they're like, Oh geez, it really was just this mindset thing. But I think that's why a lot of these brain training techniques are so important. And that's what you're getting at, which is if you focus to think about these things and really unpack what your preconceived notions are, take a mental inventory of where you, where you're sitting and then, then strategically focus on those things. You can have those mental breakthroughs far more often, or you never even need to because you're always sitting in a good position to take advantage of all the hard work you've put in and all the efforts you've done over time. And, and I think too, it's, it's, um, kind of with the, uh, not, not just the mental breakthrough that you mentioned with Roger Bannister and others then saying, Hey, you know what? I can break four. And, and you saw this huge rash in people breaking four minutes within months of him doing it. But I think even too, it's contagious, uh, across the board with people you train with, and then it comes back to you. So it becomes this really awesome, positive feedback loop where everybody in a training group then, brings themselves to a higher level and you can continue to to be better and better and better. 
Uh, so I think it's a really exciting thing. And, and you know, as much as kind of we've mentioned this a few times, it's a little bit fluffy sounding or hippy dippy, but uh, these things are incredibly powerful. And I think that people who who ignore them lose a lot of potential benefits they could, they could have because I, I've, I've run into so many people who say, you know, oh, I'm good at that. I don't need that. I don't need that crap. I, I'm way, I'm beyond that. Like, I, I'm fine. I don't I don't I don't shoot myself down. But at the same time, you're leaving something on the table that you could be taking advantage of. And it, a lot of this is really easy to do. So with that, that's a good introduction. I think let's, let's jump into to some of the things we can do. Uh, we talked about some of those techniques to begin with, and maybe the first place to start is, as you said, uh, introspection and doing that mental inventory. So let's talk about starting there and, and how you kind of assess what you're starting with and then we'll move into how we can break some of those things down and, and other things we can do too that are specific to training. Yeah. So my, my personal introduction into just kind of like mental training, I, you know, would see other runners riding in Sharpie on a post-it note and putting it on their uh, mirror every morning. And like, that's what I would do, but it was just like, I was just going through the motions and I didn't believe any of the things I was writing. So then I, I'm a, I'm a list maker. I, I'm a writer. So I sat down and I wrote out like all of the negative beliefs I had about myself and about myself as a runner. And then I asked myself like out loud, are these true? And, or, or even like saying them out loud or writing them out loud, writing on paper. I felt so ridiculous because I was like, I am so mean to myself. And I think so many people can relate to that. And like the things we tell ourselves or the things we believe about ourselves, and especially in running, we would never say to another human being. Mm -hmm. And so writing them out and then forcing yourself to say them out loud is like, no, this isn't true. And then um, back when I was at the University of Arizona, my assistant coach um, around the same time, had me write out a list of who, who Addie is, who I am. And again, sounds so fluffy, but I made a list and I just read the list every day up until like my next race. And, um, my next race happened to be a 10 K and each time there was like a gap, um, kind of forming, I would be like, wait, who is Addie? Like yeah. Addie's go getter. Addie's right. So, um, so that would be, you know, a, a great place to start. And I think also another great place to start is trying to identify like certain thought patterns you have. And there are labels in psychology. So like I'm a habitual black or white, black and white thinker. When I fail a test, then I tend to everything you know, tends to be bad. I, well, okay. Yeah. I also was a bad friend and I, I did have a really bad run and blah, blah, blah. Say I have, you know, a breakthrough standout performance. I'm like, I'm the bee's knees. I'm a great daughter, great sister, you know, Nike sign me. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, and so there's, there's a lot of different kind of, you know, uh, models of thinking. And so I think identifying what type of thinker you are, and then really kind of researching more about that, researching ways, you know, to best kind of support that type of thinking um, would be like two great areas to start. That's, that's, I think that's really good. First is making lists or, or sitting down and really 
thinking about the areas that you are really critical of yourself on that maybe you haven't really considered before. And I, I like that kind of taking some time to actively consider where are the places where you're critical of yourself or you think you have a weakness and then really sit and think about that. And you said saying them out loud, but I've even heard and, and actually had experience with it. Say them in, in front of the mirror, say them to yourself. And it's awkward and super weird at first, but like, let it be, go do it where no one's around, be alone so that you don't have to have anybody else making fun of you. But, uh, do it. It's, 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 it's incredible, um, how much you can unlock there. And that, that gives you a good place to start. And I think parallel to that, as you mentioned, are those thought patterns. And I think most of us are, are fairly aware, but start just paying attention is, is a good place to start on that. Where, when you have a good, a good workout, a good race, a really good day, or vice versa, the terrible race, the terrible day, start, th- start paying attention to how you respond to that or how you respond to maybe, cause a lot of people get like pre-race or pre-workout anxiety. How do you respond to an upcoming workout that's gonna be really hard and you know it's hard? Are you the kind that's super excited and ready to just smash it out of the park and then you, then you go out too fast? Or are you the type of person who is terrified and you shoot yourself in the foot before you get on the line because you've got so much lactic acid that you've built up from just thinking about this race and overthinking about this race? Um, so just some of those things that you can start thinking about and then we can start shifting now over to some of these techniques that we can use and some of these will be more more or less helpful depending on where you fall in those things and too eddie as you said you you can do external research too to kind of find there's so much literature in in psych to be able to get through this but hopefully we can give you some some quick tools that you can start putting in your 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 quiver right now so you can start shooting those arrows out uh right after this podcast but let's Let's jump into some examples and techniques that you use. Um, you talked about being a, a black and white runner and positive affirmations. So self-talk and positive affirmations. Maybe that's a good place to, to start with things. Could you walk us through some of those that you use or even what are we talking about when we talk about positive affirmations? Yeah, so positive affirmations are thoughts or just you know things that, that you tell yourself that are positive. You know. I think the other thing that is so hard with mental training is that we can have a series of hundreds of thoughts happen in one minute. And it's so hard. Like just if, if you, you know, have just a one to two, just positive things that you tell yourself as soon as I call it as when it's time to make that decision of whether, you know, you're in a workout, you're in a race, it's really starting to hurt you have two decisions to make, whether you give into the pain and you, you know, just kind of start that negative, just, Oh, this really, really hurts. Yeah. I know my training block hasn't been good like that. Or you make the, like the other decision in which you're like, you know what, this is hurting. Why not make it hurt the most and get it over with the fastest. Um, that's one trick I have really resonated with is like, no, even when you're on an easy run, it hurts. So like, why not just make it hurt the most fastest, get it over with. But yeah, positive affirmations are just messages that you tell yourself, but the messages really have to be true to you. Again, kind of using that example of like writing on a Sharpie or writing with a Sharpie on a post-it note, putting it on my mirror. I was doing all these 
things that I'd seen other people do, but like, I didn't believe any of those affirmations. And so how I got to the affirmations that I fully fundamentally believe are asking myself two questions when I hear, you know, a not so positive thought or, or I I start to get um, anxiety. And, And those two questions are, is this true? And what is the worst thing that could happen? So, um, you know, I thought I had before my first marathon is I am not prepared. Okay. I'm sitting in the airport, you know, going through that. Is this true? No, I have just put together like the best training block, like almost flawless, like, and then literally what is the worst thing that could happen? Well, a really bad scenario is like one, I don't even go to the line. Okay. But like, if I didn't, you know, would I still have a home Would I still have a family, like, people who love. Yeah. And then, or I, you know, I tank it and I, I end up finishing, but it's way slower. Well, I can still finally say I'm a marathoner. Um, so I think that those two questions, is this true? And what is the worst thing that can happen? And just really, you know, I, well, I'm doing those two constantly can then really help you to come up with those positive affirmations. Like if that isn't true, then what is true? Okay. the worst case scenario isn't going to happen. What do I see happening? Right. Yep. It, I like that a lot, being able to really, and th- this comes back to the, that first stage. So it's almost redoing an inventory every time one of these negative thoughts comes up and, and really assessing and unpacking that and then using that to help build out those positive affirmations or combating those negative thoughts with those positive thoughts that you've already built up and you know are true about yourself. I'm a hard worker. I'm organized and I put in, I put in the effort. I'm ready to go on race day. I know this. And so when those negative thoughts come up, you can beat them back down and say, no, this is, this is just false. Uh, and then that helps you put, put yourself in a better place. And this has been proven too, as being incredibly effective over and over and over from psych to, to education and beyond. There's, there's a saying in, in, uh, the education field, which is confidence breeds competence. And, that's to say that as you build that confidence in yourself and you continually remind yourself of these positive things that you are good at, that you have done well, then you're better able to execute those things that you've been training for so long. And that's that's really what we're trying to unlock here. And I think that's what you're getting to there is you, you push away all those roadblocks that would otherwise stop you from moving forward. One thing that you've gotten into there too, there I guess there are two pieces that we can kind of branch off there are the the mantras building a mantra. And I think a lot of people have found those very effective, especially in a race scenario or a hard workout scenario. Uh, could we maybe break down mantras and, and maybe if you use a mantra, what types of things do you use? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, mantras are just, again, kind of those messages you tell yourself when it's becoming difficult. And again, those mantras, they really do have to resonate with you. And my mantras are constantly changing. I think, you know, you just really kind of need to find what works for you. Maybe fake it until you make it for like the first couple of times. Um, I think a runner that has like, does, does such a good job of constantly, you know, putting good mantras out there is, is Steph Bruce. Um, and, and sometimes those mantras like really resonate with me that day that she shares. And then other days it, it doesn't, but then it's kind of like in, in my story of, um, what is working that day. And so, um, one of my biggest ones is run toward the fire. 
Um, and not just, not just in running, but in all areas of life, because I feel like as humans, again, we are our own worst enemy and that we are, we love to be comfortable as humans. And again, what's the worst thing that could happen? Just, just run toward the fire. Like, you know, don't be afraid to look dumb. Don't be afraid to take chances, you know, lead your pace group in a 400 and like run toward that fire. And then, well, that one's not a mantra, but I, I do a lot of like talking to myself as if, again, I were like five, which again, just sounds ridiculous, but it's, um, because I can be so hard on myself, especially in running to just hear myself go like, it's okay. You got this. Like only putting one foot in front of the other. Um, that's sort of a mantra I use as well. No, I absolutely agree. I think like all these things, it can sound a little silly at first, the, the phrases, but it's really unique to what works for you. And you don't even necessarily have to share this with anybody. So it can be something that's really goofy, goofy that your mom or dad used to say to you, or, or maybe your son or daughter says to you that you think is funny, but it's motivating. Those are the kind of things you write on the inside of your forearm during that marathon. So you look down and you say, oh yeah, one step after the other, or toward the fire, or whatever it might be that just for whatever reason, it speaks to you. And, and like you said, it might change from workout to workout, race to race, uh, training segment to training segment, or it may be consistent. Some people, they stick with their mantra and they're running on hope. And that's maybe yeah. their mantra and they, they just go with that forever. Um, I think those are very effective. And it actually, it reminded me of another goofy one when I talked about um, saying those positive affirmations in, in the mirror. Uh, and you talked about some of that positive self-talk, which which got me thinking about this one too, is uh, we talked last month about goal setting, but a lot of times the main things that you look at with goal setting are what is the, the positive outcome that you're trying to get to? What's, what's the mountain you're climbing? And something, uh, I, I won't say his name, but uh, a former marathon Olympian uh, shared with me that he thought had really helped him throughout his career was every morning to wake up, look himself in the mirror, and say that goal, but say it as if it had already occurred. And his mm -hmm. was to become an Olympic marathoner. And every mm -hmm. morning he'd look himself in the eye in the mirror and say, I'm an Olympic marathoner and, or I'm an Olympian. And he said what that helped him do was reframe the way in which he looked at everything. Because then when he looked to go eat that bag of chips, maybe he'd say, no, no, Olympian doesn't do that. And I'm an Olympian It's just, and that's kind of how the brain started to wire itself going back to, as you said, you create these scaffoldings that are either positive or negative and they help you move in, in either the right or the wrong direction for your training. Um, and so that's, I think kind of in the same vein as mantras, but uh, I, I found it to be incredibly helpful even in my career, even if it's a small thing like, Hey, I'm going to run a 10 minute PR. So say I'm a four hour marathoner. I'm a sub, I'm a sub three fifty marathoner. And you say that mm -hmm. in the mirror every day. Um, so I found that to be an, an easy, very low bar type of thing to kind of help just start reframing your mind and the way in which you approach these things. Thinking about reframing, and I think this falls in line with a lot of the, the positive thought cycles that you're talking about, positive self-talk and those positive affirmations. A big part of that is breaking down the negative thought cycles and then reframing them based on reality. Um, so mm -hmm. you've, you've talked a little bit about how you reframe those things. Uh, but could you break that down a bit more into why that's that's so important and how we can get stuck in those negative thought cycles, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. So 
in order to, you know, reframe your thought patterns or, or maybe just reframe the negative ones, you need to replace them with other ones or positive ones. So again, um, I'm very visual. And so I write out, you know, the, the thoughts that I feel are not serving me or are holding me back. And then I write out the opposite of that. But sometimes an example would be like, I think I am a bad runner. And then the opposite of that is, I think I am a good runner. Sometimes the opposite kind of belief feels and sounds a little cheesy. So then, you know, tweaking that, like, I believe I am a bad runner. Maybe tweaking that to, I believe I'm a capable runner. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I even, I just, I believe I'm a runner. So kind of, you know, seeing it or saying out loud those thoughts that aren't serving you and coming up with like different ones that do and whether you have to say them in the mirror to yourself every day or just say them in those situations in which the prior thought would come up, the more you start to think it and and believe it, the more it'll become ingrained in your brain. And with that example you had of um, the Olympic marathon or something, I would even add to that is you don't necessarily have to say those thoughts to anyone, Mm -hmm. you know, better maybe if you don't just sharing it with, again, you versus you, like you with you as well, just saying it to yourself in the mirror. And I, I used to think I had to tell everyone my hopes and goals and dreams. And then during high school, I was seen as this like just, crazy runner girl that had all these weird dreams. So yeah, you don't, you don't need to, you know, tell everyone everything. Um, but yeah, again, the rewiring it's, it's just kind of coming up with little, doing little steps and, and little actions until they just become ingrained and they become habits. So it's not like, okay, I'm a negative thinker tomorrow. I need by tomorrow I need to be a positive thinker. No, it's like, I specifically have one thought I'm trying to change right now in my own mental training. And I just today or yesterday came up with the opposite of that thought um, that will resonate with me. And so now I'm carrying it into the world and I've been doing mental training for over 10 years. Um, So it's not, it's not like, you know, you start it and then it's perfect. It's, it's constant. It's not like you can just run one marathon and then suddenly like that's your baseline. No, you have to keep keeping at it. So, yeah. And I think that's a fantastic point because it is, it's a continual process of kind of flushing and reflushing. And two, another, another really big thing that's within that. Um, I think so often we look at the great athletes, uh, professional athletes, Olympians, whoever they may be. And you think they've got it all together. They've got this mental toughness down. That's why they're so good. But I think it comes down to what you said. A lot of this is private thoughts, and you don't share those things publicly. Good athletes don't necessarily share how much they're they're knocking themselves down and criticizing themselves. They're not going to do that publicly. And two, oftentimes the person who's really braggadocious and talking about how awesome they are is someone who's hiding a lot of critical thoughts of themselves. So I, I, I think a lot of times us looking from the outside – uh, at those, the people who maybe we idolize as athletes, 
we underestimate how much they're doing the same mental gymnastics that we're doing to undermine ourselves. Uh, and so that, that's something that out of what you were saying that I, I really think is important to, to, to raise up and, and, and I guess highlight uh, for people because I think we often make that mistake of thinking that others have it all together and we're the only ones having these terrible thoughts. And, and it's absolutely not that uh, it's very common to have your own unique thing. And like you said at the beginning, uh, we all have our own area, whether it's black and white thinking or we, we, we ride the wave too much when, when we're going well or going poorly uh, or a variety of other things. Working within that, um, maybe I'll go back to, to what you said, how you break down these, these negative thoughts. So uh, in my master's, one of the big things we, we really focused on was this cognitive behavioral therapy and how do you break down those negative thought processes. And what we called them were the ABCs. So there's an antecedent, which is the thing that triggers this thought process uh, or well, a triggering event, uh, behavior for B. So what, how do you respond to it? and see the consequence, what happens because of it. Uh, and really breaking down any negative outcome or, or how you get to a negative thought. When you get there, going backward and saying, okay, well, I let's say I got really mad at a, I, I flipped a guy off today, we'll say, uh, when I was driving because he, he fired me up because he cut me off when we were driving. All right, so the behavior is uh, I flipped this guy off. The consequence is I did it in front of my son and now my son is flipping people off. <laughs> so this is a terrible thing. Uh, and then uh, the antecedent was the guy cut me off. Uh, so he fired me up and it, I got elevated emotion. So then I made this rash decision, uh, reached out and did something I wouldn't normally do that has now taught my son this, this negative behavior. So you can go backward through those things and try to unpack how you got to that point and how you could have avoided that point. And doing those kind of visualizations of that whole process help you break down those things so that you're more in the moment when you get fired up and have those same feelings somebody else cuts me off or even hits my car we get in a, in a light accident a fender bender and my response is more calm collected cool and patient because i can think through how i did this poorly the last time and we can yeah. we can encode that into running as well and i think that's a really helpful way to if there's a very palpable negative outcome to be able to work backward through those things. Uh, that's another positive thing to, to, to be able to take away and really think about how you could start using that on a, on a daily basis. But that gets us into kind of relaxing and going with the flow, which is something that you've kind of been mentioning. Let's, let's jump into that. I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, relaxing and going with the flow. Man, my, uh, my two biggest like imposter mantras, I... <laughs> all the time. Oh, well, I'm just easy going. I go with the flow. No, anyone that like truly knows me knows by nature. I'm a, a lot of runners are, we want to, and I think that's what attracts a lot of people to running is it. It's something that if you put in work, you can see results. It's a controlled thing. You can control paces, time run, so on and so forth. However, we're also living life and we're in this world in which you know, you, you sometimes have to surrender different things can happen. Um, and, and obviously we saw that through 2020. And so I think the more quote unquote in control I have felt in the past, I realized actually the more out of control I, I have been. And so I have really just 
tried to emulate um, certain runners or just just people in life that I think you know kind of emulate that go with the flow mentality and what it all really just comes down to is as soon as they start to kind of like hear thoughts of like okay like organization like okay well you know at at mile three what is my split going to be it just it's like the way I put it is all of this mental energy I am taking up to control the situation is actually stripping me of physical energy that I am about to put forth. Another thing I just like to tell myself is like, my mom always tells me it's, it's already been decided. The universe has already decided and it's up to you to just go do it. Now, now we're kind of getting into some like spiritual and I, and I don't want to offend anyone, but that's something that, um, you know, holds, holds for me. But I, yeah, I think just remind yourself that sometimes you aren't in control, and it can actually be better than what you what you even imagine. Yeah, relinquishing control a lot of times gives you control. Uh, yes. And and then to being real, realistic about the things you can control, uh, I think mm-hmm. so often I know one thing that would always bother me and and could sneak into my workouts or, or races was the weather. I can't control whether or not it's going to be 20 mile an hour winds and it's something everyone else is going to have to deal with and being okay with an effort-based workout when I really, really, really wanted to see what the times were going to look like and compare this to a previous workout, mm-hmm. being okay with that. That's, that takes time. Yeah. And something I, I love that specific example, um, because a lot of my athletes have been facing, uh, just grueling workouts in the heat right now, this time of year. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, imagine how good it's going to feel on race day, because this is what you're used to. Or imagine how great that, that next workout of the week is going to feel in, in better condition. So that's in training, but then also in racing a specific, uh, story I have, it was, I don't know, it was, I think it was NCAA regionals, my sophomore year, it was like raining cats and dogs in Seattle. And it, like, it's kind of like time slowed down because I can remember this moment so well, but it was in the first 50 meters of the gun going off. And anyone who has watched a, the start of a cross country race just knows it's like mayhem and it's raining. And like this mud flew, like flew up into my face. And my instant thought was like, ew mud. And then it, I don't know. It just happened so fast. I was like, Whoa, mud. Like we're about to get down and dirty and all everyone else that I'm running against is also running through these conditions. So like, come on, let's just do it. And I think constantly reminding yourself, like, you're not, you're not alone in doing this. Everyone is going through um, the winds or everyone is, even if the conditions are perfect, everyone is running this, you know, really long race. And also, you know, a common misconception, I, I we kind of talked about this last time, like, a lot of my non-running friends or even new uh, consultations I have with people there, they just say, well, running isn't easy for me like it is for you. And I just laugh because I had a belief about a runner in high school that I just believed she didn't feel pain and that she was unbeatable. And the first race she was finally beat. I was like, whoa, she must feel pain. Like, and yeah, I think it's just these stories we tell ourselves not only about ourselves but about others mm-hmm. that then you know facilitate the negative thoughts about our own self can be really 
we make these weird narratives. We certainly do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think this is really key for now people who who struggle with motivation. I think this is this is something that really works well is how you frame these things. Uh, and like you said, even with the, the mud hitting you and that realizing, you know what, we're all in this together and it's time to get down and dirty. Let's go. Let's get after it. The other half of that is how many people are going to get that mud in their face and go, oh, my gosh, this is a terrible day. I'm going to feel awful that have immediately eliminated themselves from the race. They are no mm-hmm. longer a factor. It's, and I, th- I think every every adversity provides an opportunity. And I think if you can remember that and you can find the opportunity in every negative situation, that'll make you a better racer, that'll make you a better runner, and that'll make you better in a lot of areas of your life. When, when oh, no. things are going crazy, that's the biggest opportunity to really rise above. And then you build crazy confidence when you have a day that blows your own mind because you just put yourself in a mindset to be able to take advantage of those things. And that's something I love here because I think so many people struggle with that motivation on those hard days. And yeah. it's, it's finding the opportunity in them. Yeah, and a great thing. I have been working on, I think, the past five years, and I still have to correct myself every now and then, is reframing I have to to I get to. Mm-hmm. Um, I am trying to think of something that's super unpleasant, like uh, getting shots at the doctor. Like, I have to get shots at the doctor. My day sucks. Well, no, I, I get to. Or I, I uh, coach kids, and all the time they're like, I have to run right now, and it's only once a week. I'm like, you get to run right now. And they just like, uh, they, I know, you know, they want to punch me, but um, I'm coming off of, a, of an injury, and I was uh, in a boot and on crutches for a few weeks. So I would show up to practice, and anytime, you know, they were complaining, I was like, do you know what I would give to run with you right now? Or what a lot of people would give to run that don't have the chance. So a really cool thing in, in reframing thought processes is the specific one of I have to, to I get to. Yeah. And, and making that palpable, like you said, pinning it to something that you know and can experience and can feel. Um, I, I had a, and this is something I used to tell people when I was running for, for Reebok and Zap was, uh, one of my biggest motivating things on those tough days was thinking about an uncle of mine who has cerebral palsy, so he couldn't use his his left or his right foot and his right arm, and how how much he would love to be able to do what I'm doing, taking advantage of my body to be able to to really push its limits, um, and being appreciative of the fact that I could do that, and that that really made it much more palpable to me because I had someone who had an intimate relationship with who I could see and it made it just more more real. And so it was easier to get out the doors on that day and really appreciate the moments that you had um, or the opportunity that you have, even if it's a negative opportunity. Because uh, like you said, maybe it's a shot or having to run in the rain and you get to run in the rain. How many people get to do this? It's, it's pretty rare to get to go run in a thunderstorm. This is awesome, kind of. But, <laughs> but I, I think those, those things are incredibly powerful. And one thing I don't want to um, pull too far away from um, is uh, the active patience component of this because it's not just letting go and letting it be, uh, but you're active in this patience. So you're still doing the things to, I guess, a way it's been explained to me that I think was very helpful is uh, in the context of a Greek word for patience, which is hupomone, uh, means patience in Greek. But it's, it's active patience in the sense that if a storm is coming, 
you don't just sit and wait for the storm to come and hit you. It's, okay, well, I go and I secure the windows and doors and make sure that the house and the structure is firm, and then I sit inside and allow the storm to pass. Uh, but I've done all the things to secure the home so that nothing too crazy happens um, and that all my things are okay. And that's the same thing, finding the things that you can control and take 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 uh, inventory of and move forward uh, in the midst of everything else that's going on that you, you can't control. And then knowing how to differentiate those two things. Um, that kind of builds us into a new one, I think. Um, you mentioned a little bit about highs and lows. How do you how do you navigate the really big highs and really big lows and getting through those? And, and what are some things that people could maybe take away? And if they have that same struggle, what can they use to, to ride the yeah. wave? Oh, I love that question. So I have kind of noticed a trend of like over celebration within our society. And I was raised in an extended family that, uh, we like we love to celebrate anything and when i got to college it was just kind of like i i i uh, my freshman year roomed with one of my teammates and i would just want to like talk about talk and talk and talk about a good workout and she was just like so good at just being like it was a workout or, or a race yeah. and then in a way if i had such a terrible race like uh, oh I was the cry baby. And she was like, she would remind me and my coaches as well. Like it's a bad race. Like life goes on. So I think the biggest kind of area is how to navigate with those high highs and those low lows is don't over celebrate the high highs and don't overdwell on the low lows. That's not to say don't celebrate yourself. If you do, you know, have a high, definitely celebrate yourself, but like, don't let it become, you know, a good portion of your self-worth or how you see yourself. And then with the lows, I kind of give myself like time and it's now it's 24 hours. Uh, it used to be a week, um, but I've kind of reined it back to 24 hours of letting myself feel whatever I want to feel about the race. And then the next morning when I wake up, practicing gratitude, kind of like what we were just talking about of like, okay, this I get to I got to race um that opportunity those opportunities but I also just think again kind of asking yourself what is true maybe after a bad workout or even a good or a good like what is true um I had a bad workout okay what is also true I'm a really kind person like you know no one and also knowing that no one is like paying as much attention to you as you are just because you had a bad workout the guy that you're driving next to on the freeway like has no clue or your coworkers, like even I work at a, a gym and all the fellow trainers couldn't give a flying hoot about running and they'll all come in sometimes from a track workout that's bad and they're like what's going on with you and I'm like oh I had a really bad one they're just like did you, okay, what, what else? And I'm like, no, it was really bad. They're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another really beautiful thing about running is like, they're like, you get to do it so often that, you know, it's like, okay, the next workout run race is like right around the corner. Yeah. And there's, there's the danger of allowing that one bad workout or bad race 
to define a whole segment. And so oh, no. I, th- I think that's exactly the, the thing that we're trying to, to break down here, which is allow those feels to, feels to come, whatever they might be, but also allow them to kind of wash over you and let them let them pass too. And it's the same thing we learn if, if anyone meditates. Um, you, When people are really meditating, it's not that they have no thoughts at all and their mind is blank. It's ideas are coming, but they just allow them to come and allow them to pass and don't focus on them or over over overanalyze them. And I think it's the same thing here when you ride these waves. It's allowing those feelings to come, negative, positive, whatever, and allowing them to pass. And then the other half of that that you mentioned is being realistic and taking in those feelings and kind of thinking a little bit when you have time after you've kind of allowed them to pass and, and the immediate shock of whatever they are to go by uh, to really analyze those and say, well, is that realistic? Uh, was it too windy for me to be able to hit those times? Was it too hot? Was I dehydrated? Did I not prepare well? Did I not sleep well? Uh, and and really being fair about those things. I think, I think people have two ways of going on that, of course. We either are far too optimistic and think, oh yeah, no, it was, you know, I, I just had a bad workout because I just didn't sleep well and I didn't eat as much as I should have. It, it And it's never my fault. And then there's the other person who is, everything's my fault. It was, you know, I'm just terrible. I, I'm just an awful runner. It doesn't matter. Even if I ate well, I know I didn't, but even if I did, it would have still been bad. Like, and you, you've got to be able to figure out which of those you are and target those things so that you're not continuing to feed that cycle whatever that that cycle is that you've got um this does i i I know we're getting up close to to time on this one but i do want to nail these down some of these different techniques to specific scenarios so let's say i have a really hard time with pre-race or pre-workout anxiety what are the some of the the techniques and things that we've talked about as well as maybe others that we haven't yet uh that i could start doing and start trying to incorporate into my training to help me feel more confident when I get to the race line or workout line. Yeah, I really love that example because even though I've been running, you know, for I don't know, know, like 13 years now, um, I can still sometimes get like pre-workout, definitely pre-race jitters. And something I use that I referenced um, a little bit back ago is asking myself the worst scenario. And really breaking it down. So what is the worst case scenario? I don't hit my pace on this workout. What happens if I don't hit the paces on my workout? I have to report to my coach or myself that I, it's just, when you break it down, you almost end up laughing yeah. and it's kind of like, okay. And, you know, another kind of area you could maybe help uh, the pre-race or pre-workout anxiety is, again, like, what is true if I don't, you know, hit this out of the park? Well, I'm still a really good runner. I still, you know, know what I'm going to do after this, have, you know, roof over my head. I still can run tomorrow or can do something tomorrow. So those are two kind of techniques I, you know, encourage with the, with the pre-race anxiety, but another one, and, and it's a little harder, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, preach it than it is to practice it, but is trying to take all of that pre-workout uh, or running anxiety and just really turn it into excitement. Um, sometimes I can be like, I'm so anxious, I'm going to 
puke, like, oh my gosh. And then I kind of have this shift, like, no, no, no. I'm like actually super excited. Yes. And also reminding yourself, like this opportunity is why I put all the work. This is more so for racing, but it's like, you know, I get up every day at what time or I log how many miles or whatever. And the yes, celebration kind of how I feel about tests as well. Cause I hate studying. Um, so sometimes when I go into a test, I would, I would just be like, this is kind of like the race of, you know, all the work I've put in or, or haven't in that case. Um, and this is just a celebratory run, a celebratory. And again, sometimes I feel like people can think I just run for fun. Like, no, I'm very serious, but at the same time, like your race is a celebration of all the hard work you have done thus far. Yeah. And I, I think you have to enjoy it to some extent to be able to capitalize on that work. And I, I love that one too. That's kind of built into a mantra that Anthony Familetti, so another uh, multiple time Olympian, he, he, he told me uh, a while back, which was uh, races are just a celebration of all the hard work you've put in. And, and so it's, you know, it's time to celebrate, go out and go out and have fun, take advantage of that. And that works within that whole framing mindset that we talked about at the beginning. I think uh, another thing that I really liked that you're talking about is and then thinking. So every, every negative and then, and go to where that goes. And it's amazing how, when you get to the end of that rainbow, a lot of times it just falls flat because it's like, that's, that's it. That's, that's all that, that doesn't hurt me at all. Like that's dumb. <laughs> and yep. then it takes away the power from that, that scary beast that's hiding in the closet. Uh, when you see that there's nothing there, it's just a teddy bear or something. And that's, that's really good. Uh, the last one I wanted to really touch on that you hit there that I, I found to be very helpful for me and a lot of the people I work with, which is the difference between anxiety and excitement. And actually the chemical pathways are the same in when you're getting anxious or when you're getting excited. And so how you encode that changes the way in, and how you can execute that and how you feel about that when you, when you go and get on the race line. So if you start to get that, that jittery kind of nerves feelings, you can look at it as, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. I can't wait to get on the line. And that can change the whole way in which you approach the race and decrease some of that, that cortisol buildup that can, that can create negative, uh, negative issues for you um, and really take advantage of what's there. And the funny thing I found is I, I used to play that game a lot with myself because I would get nervous a lot, especially in college. And then I found after I, I had retired from my professional career, when I was coaching people, just the race atmosphere would trigger that same odd excitement. And I felt like I needed to start like warming up. I would get like super excited for the race. Like I was going to get out there um, oh, wow. because I had already trained that, that, and as we talk about building that groove, that groove was so deep that anytime I get on a track and you start to see, you know, the guns are going off and, and people are getting excited and they're all in their warmups doing their, their high knees and, and butt kicks and whatever my body would just say, all right, let's do this. It's time to go. And you get that like, ah, all right, get your popcorn ready. I'm about to put on a show and you, you get yeah. out there and ready to go. Um, but so I think that's, those things are incredibly powerful if you've got some pre-race anxiety and you can practice those things in workouts too. I found that to be a really helpful way to kind of introduce that in a soft scenario. And that way you can see what you did well and what you did poorly and what maybe you could continue to tweak. Let's let's do it. We talked a little bit about uh, motivation, but I know motivation is a tough thing for people getting out the door on tough days or for a tough race. So what are some of those quick strategies we could use for building motivation or continuing to, to 
pull out that that motivation? Yeah, I that's such a, you know, big topic that we're really struggling with within the pandemic and now as our, you know, our world isn't back to quote unquote normal. Um, and so when I am not feeling motivated, I always ask myself, and, and this is like specifically to training. Okay. I, I just don't want to get this second run in today. And then I kind of let myself think in the future of like, okay, if I didn't, if I didn't go on this run today, what would I do? Well, I would sit here and like put on my thumbs and feel really bad that I didn't go on that run. Okay. I'm going to go on the run. Like, Kind of like asking yourself, am I going to feel better or worse if I don't do this? If the answer is better, like you're, you're really just having a mental health day and, and you don't, you shouldn't, then don't. But reminding yourself that running is temporary, I constantly tell myself that, especially when I'm hurting in a workout of like, this is very temporary. I have 23 more hours of the day to be so comfortable. So I'm just going to hurt right now. And just, yeah, reminding yourself, another one I come back to is my why. Why am I running? Why am I doing this? And for some runners, it's external. And so that's a, another kind of thing you may need to work out of, well, if I'm running for others, then, you know, maybe I, I need to start kind of running for myself. But motivation, yeah, I would just really challenge people to, to know their why, why they're doing something and what they would do in the time if they decide not to do an event. Um, and if there is, yeah, sit here and twiddle your thumbs and get your butt out the door. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great point, too, because the why is maybe something we should have started with in, in, in centering everything around that, because that helps you build out your mantras, that helps you build out your positive self-talk. And that helps you really unpack a lot of these things and understanding why you're out there and really analyzing that can, can be a good place to start for even our inventories. And that that's the heart of your motivation. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because it would have been a shame had we missed that. Um, maybe a next one to keep things rolling is um, overthinking. A lot of us struggle during the race, during a workout, after a workout, after a race and overthinking, overanalyzing whatever it is we're doing. And we undermine ourselves that way. So what are some strategies we can, we can take on so that we're not overthinking things? Yeah, I, ooh, that's a great question. For me, I have an overthinking. I know when I have just basically overthought a situation so much, my thought process almost becomes like paralyzed. I, I bonk, I hit the wall, if you will. So before I get there, I now know certain like feelings I have, whether it's just anxiety or like I'm, I'm starting to clench uh, muscles in my body because I'm overthinking. And I can then be like, tell, tell myself, kind of I mentioned this before, the more overthinking I do or the more energy I contribute to this thought pattern, the more energy I'm taking away from whether it's running, being a good person, doing good at my work. So that's really good. And then I know another one with the overthinking would be the control of just like, 
like, I can, I can overthink this situation or I can just let go of control and just like surrender, like a situation, a bad race. You can overthink that and overthink that and overthink that. Or you could just like surrender and be like, everyone has bad days, whether it was the pre-race breakfast I ate or the fact that I didn't get a good night's sleep, you know, we will never know what it was, but I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to set myself up best for my next workout, my next race. Right. And I, I like that. Uh, sometimes just pushing it away, tabling it and saying, Hey, if this comes up again, then we'll really analyze it. But for now, nothing I can do about it. Let it go. Um, another thing I know I, I was really bad at overthinking times, especially on easy days, like how quick mm-hmm. my easy days were, especially as I was developing as a, as a younger runner. Um, and I was not good at being able to, to break that thought process. So what yeah. I found was more helpful was on easy days, taking the watch and doing a, a run. I knew taking the watch, throwing it on the bed and then going out without the watch. Cause then I had no clue how fast I was going, if it was too fast or too slow. And then making a point of if in my head, I thought was that mile fast enough, forcing myself to slow down and, and allow it to be what it was that day. And at the end of the run, I would never know if it was a five minute PR for that route or a 20 minute slower than ever run. Um, hopefully there aren't that big a shifts, but, um, that to say, I, sometimes just getting rid of the thing that is causing you the, the over fixation can be a helpful way to do this as you're training your brain up to a point where you can, you can really break down those thought processes because we can't all do it, uh, all the time or, uh, from the beginning, like you said, this is a, this is a whole process. Uh, it's a muscle that needs some training and we got to do some reps before it can be functional. Um, let's jump, let's jump to, uh, another one. I think, um, strategy in races. I think there's, there's something we can do or a lot of things we can do to build and make sure we can execute, execute strategy in races. Um, what are some of the brain training techniques or different, um, things that you use to make sure that when you get in the race, you can actually execute. Yeah, I do visualization of the race. And I used to think visualization was knowing every turn, every nook, every crank of the race, but it's really just, like I don't, I actually don't like to go like on the exact course before my race. Well, one, I do marathons now, so it's not really possible, but two, I kind of just like to like what we're talking about, like surrender, come what may, if there's a hill in mile three, cool. But I more visualize myself running and it feeling smooth, finishing that line, knowing I just gave everything I had. And in the opposite way, I've had terrible races where yeah, going to bed that night, like, I was just telling myself, no, this is going to be a bad race. Uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so is in the race. They're all faster than me. They all have faster PRs. And, you know, I guess I'm just going to go through the motions. Um, the thoughts aren't that, like, concrete, but they, like, you know, all happen so fast that that's kind of the, the gist of what I believe. So for race strategy, visual visualization is a really good tactic and again it's just visualizing yourself doing well it feeling smooth it feeling great um another one i like 
for race strategy is I kind of alluded to it uh, a little bit ago, but there comes a time in the race to have a decision. And it might come a few times, whether you give into your pain and you, you know, kind of slow the pace, just that's okay. Or you, you fight the pain and you go for it and you make the decision to run the fastest you ever have. Um, and then kind of a, a last one is, again, I already talked about this, but knowing that you're already in pain, so what's well, a little more pain <laughs> and just really pushing it. No, and that's good. And I, and I think, again, this is something we can practice in workouts and even easy days. Uh, I, I found visualization is really good to do during easy day workouts um, or even the harder workouts um, because it helps you kind of get in that I'm actually moving while I'm visualizing what's going well or what's what's going whichever way um, and seeing how the race may unfold. I would add to visualization something I would do and I would visualize the night before usually. So after maybe I'd run the race course or I'd seen the race course or at least as much of it as he could if you're running a marathon or farther. Um, and I would walk through almost like a video in my head uh, and the gun goes off, you go off the line. And first you imagine that you hit it perfect. You went, you went through the first half mile and everything was smooth the way that you planned. You hit the splits the way that you wanted to. You're in the right place in the field. There's nothing obstructing you. But then stop the video, rewind, do it again. And this time you got out way too fast. And how do you respond to that? What do you do with that 800 meter mark when, you know what, I'm a little bit gassed already and I, sh I shouldn't have been doing this, but I'm, you know, I'm out 30 seconds faster and I should have been through the 800 meters. What am I going to do? And think about, okay, well, here's how I'd calm myself down. Here's how I'd move forward. I just, you know, do this, that, or the other thing. And think about all those contingencies, rewind the video, do it again. And this time you got, you got blocked in, you got choked off. You were way too slow through the 800. And then work through the key points in your race, doing that, all the positive and negative things that could happen and how you would navigate those. Uh, don't I mean, don't overdwell on them, but just kind of think, and well, you know, then I could do this, this would be okay, because then this would happen, and I, you know, I've trained for this, and this is why this would be all right, and kind of working through each of those, those main points, and you can build into that, those decision-making points that you mentioned. Uh, and yeah. I found that to be very, very powerful, because then, you know, you're only gonna get two to three of those, especially in a marathon, two to three of those points in a race where you'll come to a point where you'll realize it's go time or it's wait a second and go time's coming, but I'm going to have to make that call. And a lot of times if you miss the moment, it never comes back and you have to be ready to make that decision when it hits you in the race. And so prepping for that in a workout or visualizing can help you take advantage of that moment when it comes and you know, and you can go forward confidently, Hey, I'm ready to go. It's time. I'm taking advantage. I don't care if I don't make it to the line. I I think I can, but we're going to go for it because I'm okay with just going for it. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I really I really like this stuff. I think we could go forever. But maybe I'll let you kind of give some, some closing thoughts before uh, we round it out. Maybe we can come back to this again because I think there's a ton to unpack within the whole brain training, uh, the whole area of brain training. So like I said, I'll give you a moment to give some closing, closing thoughts <laughs> and then we'll go from there. Yeah. I think, you know, a few closing thoughts I have, um, one, no one has it all figured out as far as this mental stuff. And if anyone tells you they do, they are the most 
out of, you know, touch. They, they don't have anything together. Um, so I think, you know, knowing if you're just on your mental journey, that it is a constant journey, uh, constant, you know, just rewiring or different navigation. And, you know, it's, you're never going to have it all figured out. That really, really helps me. And knowing I'm not alone in it, you know, this is the human experience. We all have thoughts, good and bad, that can either help us or hinder us. And yeah, just really realizing how big this is. You know, you made the point that like the the brain controls everything. And I'm constantly preaching that running is the most mental sport. And I do truly believe that. Um, I kind of started with, you are what you believe, you are what you think. And so if you're sending messages, you know, to your muscles or to your entire body, or you're sending messages to yourself, and then that's how you go out and present yourself to the world. That's how you are going to present to That's how you're going to present yourself to the world. That is how your muscles are going to act. That is how you are going to run. So this mental work does hold a lot of weight. And at the same time, you're never going to be perfect at it. So just keeping all that in mind. Yep. Oh, I love that. I think that's a good way to, to kind of wrap up the entirety of the conversation. Um, yeah, brain training. Something that's definitely worth incorporating into your running training. Uh, and it's something you can do during runs. In those moments when, like the question we always get, what do you think about when you're doing that 10-mile run anyway? Brain training. That's what I think about. So. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Addie, I appreciate it. It's a fun conversation and hopefully a good one for everyone else who's joined us today too. So thank you for joining us on the Next Level Running Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll do it for this month's Next Level Running Podcast. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Of course, thank you to Addie Zerunner, one of the expert coaches here at Run Doyen, for sharing her time and expertise. And two, special thank you to Don White for suggesting this topic on our Facebook group page. If you aren't already participating in that Facebook group, go ahead and find us on Run Doyen in our Facebook group. Uh, We've got a thread on the podcast where you can contribute your thoughts, feelings, expressions, uh, or even suggestions for future podcasts. We have quite a few in line already, uh, so get your suggestions in there. I've got quite the work cut out for me, so thank you to everyone for participating there. Uh, And with that, One last reminder to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Go leave us a review. And uh, we'll be back here on the 13th for the Instagram Live running replays hosted by Will Benitez. With that, go out and enjoy the run, or as I like to say, carpe corum, go seize the run. Thank you for joining us here on the Next Level Running Podcast, your source for training advice from the expert coaches at Run Doyen. If you're ready to take your training and racing to the next level, head over to rundoyan.com and get matched to your ideal coach who will provide you with the highly customized online training you need to start crushing your goals on race day.